Guy Mannering, or The Astrologer, by Sir Walter Scott. Volume 2, Chapter 21. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Volume 2, Chapter 21. Justice. This does indeed confirm each circumstance the gypsy told. No orphan, nor without a friend art thou. I am thy father, here's thy mother, there thy uncle, this thy first cousin, and these are all thy near relations. The Critic. As Mannering replaced his watch, he heard a distant and hollow sound. It is a carriage for certain. No, it is but the sound of the wind among the leafless trees. Do come to the window, Mr. Playdell. The Counsellor who, with his large silk handkerchief in his hand, was expatiating away to Julia upon some subject which he thought was interesting, obeyed the summons, first, however, wrapping the handkerchief round his neck by way of precaution against the cold air. The sound of wheels became now very perceptible, and Playdell, as if he had reserved all his curiosity till that moment, ran out of the hall. The colonel rung for Barnes to desire that the persons who came in the carriage might be shown into a separate room being altogether uncertain whom it might contain. It stopped, however, at the door before his purpose could be fully explained. A moment after, Mr. Playdell called out, "'Here's our Liddlesdale friend, I protest, with a strapping young fellow of the same calibre.' His voice arrested Dinmont, who recognised him with equal surprise and pleasure. "'Odd, if it's your honour, we'll be all right, as tight as thack and rate can make us.' But while the farmer stopped to make his bow, Bertram, dizzied with the sudden glare of light and bewildered with the circumstance of his situation, almost unconsciously entered the open door of the parlour and confronted the colonel, who was just advancing towards it. The strong light of the apartment left no doubt of his identity, and he himself was as much confounded with the appearance of those to whom he had so unexpectedly presented himself as they were by the sight of so utterly unlooked for an object. It must be remembered that each individual present had their own peculiar reasons for looking with terror upon what seemed at first sight a spectral apparition. Mannering saw before him the man whom he supposed he had killed in India. Julia beheld her lover in a most peculiar and hazardous situation, and Lucy Bertram at once knew the person who had fired upon young Hazelwood. Bertram, who interpreted the fixed and motionless astonishment of the colonel into displeasure at his intrusion, hastened to say that it was involuntary, since he had been hurried hither without even knowing whither he was to be transported. "'Mr. Brown, I believe,' said Colonel Mannering. "'Yes, sir,' replied the young man, modestly but with firmness. "'The same you knew in India, and who ventures to hope that what you did then know of him is not such as should prevent his requesting you would favour him with your attestation to his character as a gentleman and man of honour. "'Mr. Brown, I have been seldom, never,' So much surprise, certainly, sir. In whatever passed between us, you have a right to command my favourable testimony. At this critical moment entered the councillor and Dinmont. The former beheld to his astonishment the colonel, but just recovering from his first surprise, Lucy Bertram ready to faint with terror, and Miss Mannering in an agony of doubt and apprehension, which she in vain endeavoured to disguise or suppress. What is the meaning of all this? said he. Has this young fellow brought the gorgon's head in his hand? Let me look at him. By heaven, he muttered to himself, the very image of old Ellen Gowan. Yes, the same manly form and handsome features, 
but with a world of more intelligence in the face. Yes, the witch has kept her word. Then, instantly passing to Lucy, Look at that man, Miss Bertram, my dear. Have you ever seen anyone like him? Lucy had only ventured one glance at this object of terror, by which, however, from his remarkable height and appearance, she at once recognised as the supposed assassin of young Hazelwood, a conviction which excluded, of course, the more favourable association of ideas which might have occurred on a closer view. "'Don't ask me about him, sir,' she said, turning away her eyes. "'Send him away, for heaven's sake. We shall all be murdered.' "'Murdered? Where's the poker?' said the advocate in some alarm. "'But nonsense! We are three men besides the servants, and there is honest Liddersdale, worth half a dozen to boot. We have the major vis upon our side. However, here, my friend, Dandy Davy, what do they call you? Keep between that fellow and us for the protection of the ladies.' "'Lord, Mr. Perrydale,' said the astonished farmer. "'That's Captain Brown. Do you know Ken the Captain?' "'Nay, if he's a friend of yours, we may be safe enough,' answered Playdale. "'But keep near him.' All this passed with such rapidity that it was over before the Dominie had recovered himself from a fit of absence, shut the book which he had been studying in a corner, and advancing to obtain a sight of the strangers, exclaimed at once upon beholding Bertram, "'If the grave can give up the dead,' "'That's my dear and honoured master.' "'We're right after all, by heaven. "'I was sure I was right,' said the lawyer. "'He's the very image of his father. "'Come, Colonel, what do you think of "'that you do not bid your guest welcome? "'I think, I believe, I trust we're right. "'Never saw such a likeness. "'But patience, Dominie, say not a word. "'Sit down, young gentleman.' I beg pardon, sir, if I am, as I understand, in Colonel Mannering's house, I should wish first to know if my accidental appearance here gives offence, or if I am welcome. Mannering instantly made an effort. Welcome? Most certainly, especially if you can point out how I can serve you. I believe I may have some wrongs to repair towards you. I have often suspected so, but your sudden and unexpected appearance connected with painful recollections prevented my saying at first, as I now say, that whatever has procured me the honour of this visit, it is an acceptable one. Bertram bowed with an air of distant yet civil acknowledgement to the grave courtesy of Mannering. Julia, my love, you had better retire. Mr. Brown, you will excuse my daughter. There are circumstances which I perceive rush upon her recollection. Miss Mannering rose and retired accordingly. Yet as she passed Bertram, could not suppress the words, infatuated, a second time but so pronounced as to be heard by him alone. Miss Bertram accompanied her friend, much surprised, but without venturing a second glance at the object of her terror. Some mistake she saw there was, and was unwilling to increase it by denouncing the stranger as an assassin. He was known, she saw, to the colonel, and received as a gentleman. Certainly either was not the person she suspected, or Hazelwood was right in supposing the shot accidental. The remaining part of the company would have formed no bad group for a skilful painter. Each was too much embarrassed with his own sensations to observe those of the others. Bertram most unexpectedly found himself in the house of one whom he was alternately disposed to dislike as his personal enemy and to respect as the father of Julia. Mannering was struggling between his high sense of courtesy and hospitality, his joy at finding himself relieved from the guilt of having shed life in a private quarrel, and the former feelings of dislike and prejudice which revived in his haughty mind at the sight of the object against whom he had entertained them. 
Samson, supporting his shaking limbs by leaning on the back of a chair, fixed his eyes upon Bertram with a staring expression of nervous anxiety which convulsed his whole visage. Dinmont, enveloped in his loose shaggy greatcoat and resembling a huge bear erect upon its hinder legs, stared on the whole scene with great round eyes that witnessed his amazement. The councillor alone was in his element. Shrewd, prompt and active, he already calculated the prospect of brilliant success in a strange, eventful and mysterious lawsuit, and no young monarch, flushed with his hopes, and at the head of a gallant army, could experience more glee when taking the field on his first campaign. He bustled about with great energy, and took the arrangement of the whole explanation upon himself. "'Come, come, gentlemen, sit down. This is all in my province. You must let me arrange it for you. Sit down, my dear Colonel, and let me manage. Sit down, Mr. Brown. Ot quocunque alio nomini vocaris. Domini, take your seat. Draw in your chair. Honest Liddersdale.' "'I didn't ken, Mr. Playdell,' said Dinmont, looking at his dreadnought coat then at the handsome furniture of the room. I had maybe better gang some gates else and leave you to your cracks. I'm no just that wheel put on. The colonel, who by this time recognised Dandy, immediately went up and bid him hearty welcome, assuring him that, from what he had seen of him in Edinburgh, he was sure his rough coat and thick soled boots would honour a royal drawing-room. Nay, nay, colonel, we're just playing up the country folk. But nae doubt I would fain hear on only pleasure that was going to happen the captain, and I'm sure I would gae all right if Mr. Playdell will take his bit job in hand. You're right, Dandy, spoken like a Highland. Footnote. It may not be unnecessary to tell southern readers that the mountainous country in the southwestern borders of Scotland is called Highland, though totally different from the much more mountainous and more expensive districts of the north, usually called highlands. Or now be silent. Well, you are all seated at last. Take a glass of wine till I begin my catechism methodically. And now, turning to Bertram, my dear boy, do you know who or what you are? In spite of his perplexity, the catechumen could not help laughing at this commencement, and answered, Indeed, sir, I formerly thought I did. I own late circumstances have made me somewhat uncertain. Then tell us what you formerly thought of yourself. Why, I was in the habit of thinking and calling myself Van Beest Brown, who served as a cadet or volunteer under Colonel Mannering when he commanded the regiment, in which capacity I was not unknown to him. There, said the Colonel, I can assure Mr. Brown of his identity and add, what his modesty may have forgotten, that he was distinguished as a young man of talent and spirit. "'So much the better, my dear sir,' said Playdell. "'But that is to general character. Mr. Brown must tell us where he was born.' "'In Scotland, I believe, but the place uncertain.' "'Where educated?' "'In Holland, certainly.' "'Do you remember nothing of your early life before you left Scotland?' very imperfectly, yet I have a strong idea, perhaps more deeply impressed upon me by subsequent hard usage, that I was during my childhood the object of much solicitude and affection. I have an indistinct remembrance of a good-looking man who I used to call Papa, and of a lady who was infirm in health, and who, I think, must have been my mother, but it is an imperfect and confused recollection. I remember, too, a tall, thin, kind-tempered man in black, 
who used to teach me my letters and walk out with me, and I think the very last time... Here the Dominie could contain no longer, while every succeeding word served to prove that the child of his benefactor stood before him. He had struggled with the utmost difficulties to suppress his emotions, but when the juvenile recollections of Bertram turned towards his tutor and his precepts, he was compelled to give way to his feelings. He rose hastily from his chair, and with clasped hands, trembling limbs, and streaming eyes, called out aloud, "'Harry Bertram, look at me! Was I not the man?' "'Yes,' said Bertram, staring from his seat, as if a sudden light had burst in upon his mind. "'Yes, that was my name, and that is the voice and figure of my kind old master.' The dominie threw himself into his arms, pressed him a thousand times to his bosom in convulsions of transport, which shook his whole frame sobbed hysterically and at length in the emphatic language of scripture lifted up his voice and wept aloud colonel mannering had recourse to his handkerchief played dell made wry faces and wiped the glasses of his spectacles and honest dinmont after two loud blubbering explosions exclaimed deals in the man he's guard me do that i hanna done since my old mother died come come said the counsellor at last silence in the court we have a clever party to contend with we must lose no time in gathering our information for anything i know there may be something to be done before daybreak i will order a horse to be saddled if you please said the colonel come dominie i have allowed you a competent space to express your feelings i must circumduce the term you must let me proceed in my examination the dominie was habitually obedient to any one who chose to impose commands upon him he sunk back into his chair, spread his chequered handkerchief over his face, to serve, as I suppose, for the Grecian painter's veil, and from the action of his folded hands appeared for a time engaged in the act of mental thanksgiving. He then raised his eyes over the screen, as if to be assured that the pleasing apparition had not melted into the air, then again sunk then to resume his internal act of devotion, until he felt himself compelled to give attention to the counsellor, and from the interest which his questions excited. "'And now,' said Mr. Playdell, after several minute inquiries concerning his recollection of early events, "'and now, Mr. Bertram, for I think we ought to in future call you by your own proper name, will you have the goodness to let us know everything particular which you can recollect concerning the mode of your leaving Scotland?' "'Indeed, sir, to say the truth,' though the terrible outlines of that day are strongly impressed upon my memory, yet somehow the very terror which fixed them there has in great measure confounded and confused the details. I recollect, however, that I was walking somewhere or other in a wood, I think. Oh, yes, it was Warwick Wood, my dear, said the dominie. Hush, Mr. Sampson, said the lawyer. Yes, it was in a wood, continued Bertram, as long past and confused ideas arranged themselves in his reviving recollection and someone was with me, this worthy and affectionate gentleman, I think. Oh, aye, aye, Harry, Lord bless thee, I was even there myself. Be silent, Dominie, and do not interrupt the evidence, said Playdell. And so, sir, to Bertram. And so, sir, continued Bertram, like one of the changes of a dream, I thought I was on horseback before my guide. No, no, exclaimed Samson. Never did I put my own limbs, not to say thine, into such peril. On my word, this is intolerable. Look ye, Dominie, 
if you speak another word till i give you leave i will read three sentences out of the black acts whisk my cane round my head three times undo all the magic of this night's work and conjure harry bertram back again into van beast brown honoured and worthy sir groaned out the dominie i humbly crave pardon it was but verbum volans well nolens volens you must hold your tongue said playdell pray be silent mr sampson said the colonel it is of great consequence to our recovered friend that you permit mr playdell to proceed in his inquiries i am mute said the rebuked dominie on a sudden continued bertram two or three men sprung out upon us and we were pulled from horseback i have little recollection of anything else but that i tried to escape in the midst of a desperate scuffle and fell into the arms of a very tall woman who started from the bushes and protected me for some time the rest is all confusion and dread a dim recollection of a sea-beach and a cave and of some strong potion which lulled me to sleep for a length of time in short it is all a blank in my memory until i recollect myself first an ill-used and half-starved cabin-boy aboard a sloop and then a schoolboy in holland under the protection of an old merchant who had taken some fancy for me and what account said mr playdell did your guardian give of your parentage a very brief one answered bertram and a charge to inquire no further i was given to understand that my father was concerned in the smuggling trade carried on on the eastern coast of scotland and was killed in a skirmish with the revenue officers that his correspondents in holland had a vessel on the coast at the time part of the crew of which were engaged in the affair and that they brought me off after it was over from a motive of compassion as i was left destitute by my father's death as i grew older there was much of this story seemed inconsistent with my own recollections but what could i do i had no means of ascertaining my doubts nor a single friend with whom i could communicate or canvass them the rest of my story is known to colonel mannering i went out to india to be a clerk in a dutch house their affairs fell into confusion i betook myself to the military profession and i trust as yet i have not disgraced it thou art a fine young fellow i'll be bound for thee said playdell and since you have wanted a father so long i wish from my heart i could claim the paternity myself but this affair of young hazelwood was merely accidental said bertram i was travelling in scotland for pleasure and after a week's residence with my friend mr dinmont with whom i had the good fortune to form an accidental acquaintance it was my good fortune that said dinmont or my brains would hae been knocked out by twa blackguards if it had not been for his four quarters shortly after we parted at the town i lost my baggage by thieves and i was residing at kippletringham i accidentally met the young gentleman as i was approaching to pay my respects to miss mannering whom i had known in india mr hazelwood conceiving my appearance none of the most respectable commanded me rather haughtily to stand back and so gave occasion to the fray in which i had the misfortune to be the accidental means of wounding him and now sir that i have answered all your questions uh, no no not quite all said playdell winking sagaciously there are some interrogatories which i shall delay till to-morrow for it is time i believe to close the sederant for this night or rather morning well then sir said the young man to vary the phrase since i have answered all the questions which you have chosen to ask to-night 
will you be so good as to tell me who you are that takes such interest in my affairs and whom you take me to be since my arrival has occasioned such commotion why sir for myself replied the councillor i am paulus playdell an advocate at the scottish bar and for you it is not easy to say distinctly who you are at present but i trust in a short time to hail you by the title of henry bertram esq representative of one of the oldest families in scotland an heir of Telsey, and provision to the estate of ellangowan ay continued he shutting his eyes and speaking to himself we must pass over his father and serve him heir to his grandfather lewis the entailer the only wise man of his family that i have ever heard of they had now risen to retire to their apartments for the night when colonel mannering walked up to bertram as he stood astonished at the councillor's words i give you joy he said of the prospects which fate has opened before you i was an early friend of your father and chanced to be in the house of ellangowan as unexpectedly as you are now in mine upon the very night in which you were born i little knew this circumstance when but i trust unkindness will be forgotten between us believe me your appearance here as mr brown alive and well has relieved me from my most painful sensations and your right to the name of an old friend renders your presence as mr bertram doubly welcome and my parents said bertram are both no more and the family property has been sold but i trust may be recovered whatever is wanted to make your right effectual i shall be most happy to supply nay you may leave all that to me said the councillor tis my vocation how i shall make money of it i'm sure it's no for the like o' me observed dimont to speak to you gentlefolks but if Scylla would help on the captain's plea and they say naply gangs ain well without it except on a saturday night said playdell ay but when your honour wouldna take your fee you wouldna ha the cause neither so i'll ne'er fash you on a saturday night at e'en again but i was seeing there's some siller in the splechum that's like the captain's ain for we've i counted it such both ally and me no no liddersdale no occasion no occasion whatever keep thy cash to stock thy farm to stock my farm mr playdell your honour kens many things but ye dinna ken the farm o charlie's hope it's so we'll stock it already that we sell maybe six hundred pounds off it each year flesh and fell the gither ah can't you take another then i dinna ken the dukes know that fond o lead farms and he canna bide to put away the old tenantry and then i wouldna like myself to gang about whistling and raising the rent o my neighbours what not upon thy neighbour at dawnston devilston how do you call the place what on jock o dawnston na he's a camstery chield and fascious about marches and we've handsome bit o splores they gither but deal o meef i would rang jock o dawnston neither thou art an honest fellow said the lawyer get thee to bed thou wilt sleep sounder i warrant thee than many a man that throws off an embroidered coat and puts on a laced nightcap colonel i see you are busy with our enfant trouvé but barnes must give me a summons of wakening at seven to-morrow morning for my servant's a sleepy-headed fellow and i dare say my clerk driver has had clarence's fate and is drowned by this time in a butt of your ale 
for mrs allen promised to make him comfortable and she'll soon discover what he expects from that engagement good night colonel good night dominie good night dinmont the downright good night last of all to the new-found representative of the bertrams and the MacDingaways, the Naths, the Arths, the Godfreys, the Dennises, and the Rowlands, and last and dearest title, heir of Talzee and provision of the lands of Barony of Ellangowan under the settlement of Lewis Bertram Esquire, whose representative you are. And so saying, the old gentleman took his candle and left the room, and the company dispersed, after the Donnelly had once more hugged in embrace his little Harry Bertram, as he continued to call the young soldier of six feet high. End of Volume 2, Chapter 21